Preface and Introduction of Jerry McCauley, His Life and Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Hand. Jerry McCauley, His Life and Work by Jerry McCauley and edited by Robert M. Offord. Preface. During the summer preceding his death, Jerry McCauley was planning for the preparation of a somewhat extensive account of God's dealings with and through him. He purposed waiting only for cooler weather before commencing his task. But his death intervened ere the work had even been begun. We have thus been deprived of many of the records of the richest displays of God's grace in both the Water Street and Cremorne missions. But enough have been printed in the following pages to arouse the deepest interest of Christian hearts. These records serve to show that in the dispensation of grace and graces, God is no respecter of persons. As in nature, the most resplendent gems are found among the most uninviting surroundings. So grace gathers out of the horrible pit and the miry clay many a bright gem for the Savior's diadem. And God works through lowly instrumentalities. In this respect, his choice is often contrary to human judgment. Jerry was a very unpromising sinner to begin with, but God in his grace saved him. After his conversion, he seemed by no means a promising saint, and ministers and others engaged in mission work did not encourage him to believe that he was called to labor in that direction. But God had called him nonetheless and owned and blessed him beyond all human conception or computation. It is indeed true that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the glory may be the Lord's. It is fitting that acknowledgments be made here of indebtedness to those friends who have helped to produce this volume. The first three chapters are taken from the little work Transformed, edited by Mrs. Helen E. Brown. Three of the later chapters are devoted to personal recollections of the worker and his work by A.S. Hatch, Esquire. There are no more interesting chapters in the book than these, and they greatly enhance its value. That gentleman has placed us under further obligations by the care and patience with which he has read every line of this volume, revising where necessary, a task which his long and intimate acquaintance with Jerry enabled him to do better than anyone else could have done it. To the Reverend S. Arrhenius Prime, D.D., thanks are due for the introduction. His reminiscences of Jerry, couched in such tender and touching language, will serve to awaken at the start a deep interest in the records which follow. My own part of the work has been a very modest one, collecting such material as already existed, and which best served to present Jerry the Outcast, Jerry the Transformed, Jerry the Successful Worker for Souls. The matter has been prepared for the printer without any attempt to give the facts in any setting of beautiful language. The labor has been a simple but very pleasant one. To have helped in any way to publish the story of grace as it triumphed in and through Jerry Macaulay is an honor greatly esteemed, and for which the heart feels sincerely grateful to God. It is indeed to be wished that he may be glorified in the record as he was in its subject. May Christians who read these pages be encouraged to work for the salvation of the most outcast of their fellow beings. May many of those who are as yet unsaved be led by these records to seek Jerry Macaulay's Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Of that blessed Redeemer, it is written in God's book, the Bible, He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7.25 His own words are, 
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. The Editor Preface to Second Edition With gratitude to God, record is here made that the first edition of this work has been abundantly owned and blessed of him. The second and still larger edition is sent out with prayers as fervent and hopes as ardent as those which accompanied the first. May every copy carry a blessing. Introduction by Rev. S. Arrhenius Prime, D.D. Returning home after my summer recess in 1884, I had not been in my house five minutes when a gentleman called to ask me to conduct the funeral of Jerry McCauley. Is he dead? I asked in a burst of mingled surprise and sorrow. Before going away, I had seen and heard the manifest signs of consumption, and it was not wonderful that such a life as he led in the days of his wickedness should make him an easy prey to disease. He did not live out half his days, though grace did come to the everlasting life of his soul. But it made me very sad. I did not know that this strange man had such a place in my heart that now he was dead I should feel as if the city and the world and I had lost a friend. Jerry is dead. Well, what was he to me that I must grieve that I shall see his face no more? He came often to see me and said little when he was here, but seemed to love to sit near me and look up with a tearful eye and a pensive face and a heart, I doubt not, full of sweet hope and holy love. We never talked of the old, old times when he was a thief and a robber, when he was a drunkard and a blasphemer, when he was a convict in prison and afterwards an outcast and an outlaw. It is not in my memory that a word ever passed between us about those terrible days and nights of sin and shame, when he won distinction among the criminal classes as one of the worst of men, a dangerous character, unfit to be at large, as unfit to live as he was unprepared to die. It has always been a marvel to me that men professing to be reformed from loathsome habits should revel in the recital of their past sins, as if they were heroes who had come out of a great battle, and were now victors to be crowned and counted worthy of honor. Jerry Macaulay was not so. He kept in mind the pit from which he was dug, but the memory of it filled him with penitence and pain. He would speak of it when the fact of his rescue would help a perishing brother to struggle for deliverance, but he loved rather with me to speak of the life that he now lived. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Delivered from the powers of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son, this poor sinner, clothed and in his right mind, had put away the old man with his lusts, and now a new man in Christ Jesus was striving to walk humbly and softly before God. He had never seemed confident that he might not be delivered again into the hand of Satan, to be buffeted for a season, but he sought sustaining grace and found it day by day till the convicted sinner was transformed into a redeemed soul by the Spirit of God and the victory of the grave. The next day was the Sabbath. The funeral was to be in the afternoon. As the hour approached, and indeed all the day, my thoughts had been dwelling on the fact that New York has no consciousness of the loss it has met. The city knows not that one of the most useful men in it, one of its most remarkable, wonderful men, is to be buried today. Very few know or care about Jerry McCauley. We are going to the Broadway Tabernacle to talk of what he was and what he has done, to a little congregation that will gather there. If it were Dr. Taylor, the beloved and honored pastor, the house would be crowded and the mourners would go about the street. But poor Jerry, he is dead, and who will be there to weep with us over his remains? 
Ah, how little did I know the place that he filled in the heart of this vast city. I was to conduct the funeral, went early to complete the arrangements. As I turned down from the 5th Avenue through 34th Street, I saw a vast multitude standing in the sunshine, filling the streets and the square in front of the tabernacle. Astonished at the spectacle and wondering why they did not go and take seats in the church, I soon found that the house was packed with people so that it was impossible for me to get within the door. Proclamation was made that the clergy who were to officiate were on the outside, and a passage was made for them to enter in. What could be more impressive and expressive of the estimate set upon the man and his work? There is no other Christian worker in the city who would have called out these uncounted thousands in a last tribute of love and honor of his memory. And then eloquent lips spoke of him, and the great good done by him in fields of labor uninviting, and often repelling those who care for the souls of the perishing among us. It was said that there is no one pastor in New York who is doing the work of this humble man, no pastor who will leave a wider vacancy when he falls on the high places in his field of duty. To read the story of his life and work is not like the romance born of a lively fancy, for it is far more strange, unreal, incredible than the novel of the period. It involves the supernatural. It has to do directly with the powers of the world to come. Reading it, still more going into one of the meetings where lost men and women come to be saved, brings one at once into the midst of agencies that imply for their power and success the immediate, direct, personal presence and working influence of the Holy Spirit. If this work is not of God, it is nothing. Worse than nothing, it is an awful farce. To me, it is a divine reality. It was no fanaticism that in the days of the apostles led men to cry out, What must I do to be saved? And when I have sat in the midst of publicans and harlots, convicts and thieves, drunkards and other vile and wretched human beings down so low in misery and shame that no human arm is long enough to reach them or strong enough to raise and save them, when I have heard them in broken accents amid sobs and tears tell what the grace of God has done for them, how it had brought husbands and wives together in peace and comfort, with happy children around them, after liquor and crime and gaunt, want had broken up the household when i have heard scores and scores of such testimonies ascribing all their salvation to him who loved them and died for them lost and ruined by sin the tears have run down like rivers of waters from mine eyes and i have prayed that hundreds and thousands of preachers of righteousness like jerry macaulay might be taken from prison to go in the name of jesus to seek and to save them that are lost it is a good thing to write and print and spread the life of such a man as the hero of this volume. It may kindle the flame in many other hearts. Christians in other walks of life than he trod may be stirred to better living. And, may God in infinite mercy grant it, some poor sinning soul, some wretched and sinking soul, some poor sinner, almost as bad as Jerry was, may read it in his extremity and cry out with this ransomed prisoner, Lord, save me. I perish. End of the preface and introduction.